Today, our message is titled, uh, I love titling things the way Jesus and the Lord, uh, God the Father would say it, I will build my church. And that's the title of today's message, and you've heard that phrase, I'm sure, many times before. But uh, there's a statement that has uh, resonated with me for a long time, and I have it in this photo. So you can go to the second slide there. Uh, yeah, here we go. Okay, so it says this is the, uh, this is the phrase, Jesus hope for humanity. And I love this uh, phrase, this saying so much. Um, you know, this, this uh, phrase is hung, I believe, as you're entering into this church, this pictured into this photo. But I just love this statement. It speaks to the heart of the Lord and tells others about it. I just, when people driving by that church, they see this sign up there, and it's there all the time. It doesn't change or go anywhere else. And I just, I think it's so great. It just speaks to the heart of God, what he wants to say, what he's saying. I've got another photo that I want to you to look at this morning. And uh, if you go to the next slide, okay, it's just, it's just a simple one. You've heard this one before. It's Jesus Saves. I think this photo is in L.A. because I think I know the building behind it, but I'm not exactly sure. But the statement simply reads, Jesus Saves. And obviously there is no truer statement than that. You know, I just love these visuals that we're seeing here. And I come back to them time and time again. You see, church, there is no hope except through Jesus. He is the hope for humanity. It's as simple as that. He is the one where we find all of our hope in. You see, today I'd like to begin a conversation about the role of our church in this community. What is our role? What is our role here in this great uh, part of our country? What is it that God would have us do here? What would he say to us? What would he speak to our community? What, what are those sorts of questions like? So I've got uh, a little poem that I want to read to you this morning. It's uh, the author is unknown, so it's just an interesting one I found, and I just want to share it to you. The title is, If Jesus Came to Your House. All right? This is good. Some of you are freaking out already. Okay. If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honored guest, and all the food you'd serve to him would be the very best. And you would keep assuring him you're glad to have him there. But when you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door with arms outstretched in welcome to our heavenly visitor? Or would you maybe change your clothes before you let him in? Ooh, getting interesting now. Or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been. Would you turn off the radio and hope he hadn't heard? <laughs> and wish you hadn't uttered the last loud and hasty word would you hide your worldly music and put some hymn books out <laughs> could you let jesus walk right in or would you rush about and i wonder if the savior spent a day or two with you would you go right on doing the things you always do would you go right on saying the things you always say would life for you continue as it does from day to day would your family conversation keep up its usual pace and would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you always sing and read the book you read and let them know the things on which your mind and spirit feed? Would you take Jesus with you everywhere you'd plan to go? Or maybe would you maybe change your plans for just a day or so? Uh, would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends? Or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? <laughs> 
Would, would you be glad to have him stay forever on and on, or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus came in person to spend some time with you. Has anyone heard that before? All right, okay. There we go. Good stuff. See, I always think I'm finding stuff. I'm not. Okay, I'll try harder. That's a good one, though. I really liked it. So since my first time in Espanola, here in Espanola, I felt that one of our roles is that we look beyond our town. And we're very, uh, I feel like God has given vision to me that we would see a lot of areas touched with Jesus, who is the hope of humanity. You see, sometimes we can be very focused on our own specific little spot, our own uh, little piece of property, our own little uh, carving out of land or whatever it is. But I just think it's great. So on Tuesday night, i got to share a story. I was out with my boys, and we were driving around Spanish. Has anyone driven around Spanish before? Yeah? Okay. Is it one of those places where you can, like, hold your breath while you're driving around Spanish? You know those places? There's a place near Elmville that's like that. What's Apto, you can hold your breath through Apto. That's right. Okay, see, Pastor Kate and I are from a similar part of Ontario. Okay, so we just found that funny. No one else did. But uh, the <laughs> it's one of those places where you're driving around. And I was driving around there on uh, Tuesday night, and just by chance, no, no particular purpose. And I was just caught with how God wants to do something in that community. Of course, he wants to do something here as well. But God's plan is much greater and bigger than any of our plans would ever be. He sees things way past what we would see. And uh, as I was driving around Spanish, I just felt like God speaking to me to say, we can do something here. We can do something here. He wants to have a greater presence in that town. He really does. In fact, God wants more of a spirit across this area. It's not just in one spot or two places. Jesus teaches us in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's so important for us. He sees, he sees it differently. You and I, we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. I just love that. It's a favorite scripture of mine. I love it so much. God's plan was never that we would be hidden in any way. We would never be hidden in any way. I have a secret uh, uh, thing that I do, and I know Arlene doesn't even know about it. Whenever I, I drive by, and I'll just say it because I'm just blunt sometimes. Whenever I drive by a Jehovah Witness place, I'm like, where are all the people? because <laughs> the parking lot often is empty, and sometimes I drive by, maybe I just don't drive by when they're meeting, and I drive by, and I'm looking for people, and I would never, ever, ever, ever want that to be our testimony, that when people drive by our church, and I know they're very different, and I'm not even trying to compare the two, but that when people would drive by our church, that we would, they would see life, they would see light, they wouldn't see anything hidden, there wouldn't be any dark place, anything that we would want to keep uh, hidden or separate from anyone else, it's that when you come in, You'd feel welcome into a family, into a body, into a fellowship. It's not for an exclusive group, and I'll talk about that at the end, but it's for everyone. That's what God's church is for. And 
Queensway, we have a responsibility that in this region, that this church is not just for a few select people. It's for the region. It's for the people that call this area home, that we would reach out to them and that we would love on them and that we would serve them. I've heard of church fellowships in different towns in the area, which is awesome. It's so great. But I believe that God wants more from us. And I know when I say that, some of you get a little irritated. But God wants more from us. I always ask myself, why can't there be more? God, why can't there be more? There's no limit to God. We believe that. There's no limit to anything that he can do. So I always ask, God, why can't there be more? And, you know, the truth is, uh, and the flip side to that question is that, sure, you and I can list off lots of reasons why church doesn't work out in a town like this these, in these days. I always hear that, in these days, stop it. Who cares? This, there's challenges. Let's get over it and get to work. Come on. There's things that we can do. There's people that can be reached. God's plan was never that we'd be hidden but they w- we would shine our light before men that they would see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. When the church hides, it dies. That's what happens. When the church hides, it dies. I am. So, this will shock some of you. I am not an outgoing person. My first reaction in the morning when I get out of my door is I hope nobody sees me because I am not awake enough to speak to anybody. All right, and if someone comes up to me and says hello, and I'm a bit rude, that's because I ain't ready to talk yet. All right, and that's the truth. <laughs> and in this town, I've had to get over it a little bit and just accept it as part of my life that I have to say hello to people. But <laughs> otherwise, I'll start spreading rumors. No, I'm just joking. But the truth is, is that we were never meant to be hidden. Nothing here was meant to be hidden. Uh, some people, oh man, I had the, I, I've had friends, they've been so scared to walk into a church. Oh, something's going to happen when I walk into the church. I've heard stories of people in this town. They'll, they'll, they love this church. They'll never walk in it. They're just scared that something radical is going to happen. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor in Brampton, I was getting a, uh, I would take my car to Honda, get it, uh, whatever they do in there, I don't even know. They just take my money. And uh, they would drive me back for free, yeah, whatever, a couple hundred dollars later. And uh, they'd drive me back. And I remember the guy would say, oh, are you, uh, are you from that crying church? I'm like, what? And he, yeah, are you from the crying church? I'm like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> he knew the address of where I was going. I said, well, I'm the youth pastor at this church over here. And he's like, yeah, that's the crying church. You have a crying room in your basement. I was like, my office is in that basement. I'm pretty sure there's no crying room down there. All right? But people just come up with uh, weird things. When the church is hidden, it will die. That's what happens. So whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, we have to let our light shine before men that they would see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. So today let's look at what the Bible says. Here's our first point. Chosen children. Write it down. Uh, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. I, man, I'm giving you a lot of my uh, uh, life verses, key verses in my life today, just because, I, I don't know, I guess I just resonate with it. So let's start in verse 19, Ephesians 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's you and I, all right? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I love that Christ is the cornerstone of everything that we do. 
when we start to believe that Christ isn't the cornerstone or he used to be the cornerstone, folks, we are in tremendous trouble. And things like the dude that's friends with thunder is going to start launching them places. All right? And that's what's going to happen. And that's the truth. When we come together, we are citizens. We are chosen to be with saints and members of the house of God. That's our church. We're chosen to be with the saints and members of the house of God. You are already a part of the greatest club, the greatest organization in history. You are, we are members of the house of God. What we have today uh, is interesting. It predates every one of us in this room. What we have today, it predates every one of us. Our church predates our town. It predates our province. It predates our nation. This church is built on the apostles, prophets, and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. He's the one that holds it all together. I have a, a fun little story about uh, a solid foundation, <laughs> kind of like a cornerstone, but it's just kind of funny, so I want to share it with you. Here it is. This is called a solid gold foundation. The only structure ever erected on a foundation of solid gold is the gate of the fortress of Parandahar, Indian, India. Sorry, the, Raj, the Raja of Badar, who built it in 1290, so a couple years ago, was informed by his craftsmen that the site was veritable quagmire into which any structure would presently collapse. Uh, in his desperation, the Nabob listened to a dream. In, <laughs> oh man, this is getting good. Listened to a dream in which he was advised to build the gate upon a golden underpinning. Oh, this sounds like a good idea. He excavated, and he never excavated nothing. He got people to do it. Okay, he excavated two great cavities in the marshy ground. Each of the excavation measured 35 feet square and 12 feet deep. Folks, that is a lot of gold. Okay. Let's look at this. The royal treasury was emptied of 50,000 gold bricks. This was the weight, weighing 4,320 grains each. This precious, precious hoard totaling 37,500 pounds. Because this story's old, I actually looked up the gold value of that today. You want to hear it? Okay, here we go. Man, I'm going to go there after this. Okay, 662,824 thousand six hundred ninety three dollars and 13 cents all right that is some kind of gold there's no way that's still there okay so i could those indian guys they're gonna go for it come on they're digging there all oh come on no one's that's not there all right uh crazy it was lowered into the ground to form the fabulous foundation upon which the gate was built both the gate and the 14 carat bonanza upon which it rests are still there i just don't believe that but anyways they're <laughs> If you knew that was there, how, no one's going to go grab that? Come on. Just get their jacksaw. Can you jacksaw gold? I don't even know. Okay. All right. Get, just to blow stuff. Maybe just blow it up. Some of the mining guys from Sudbury are going to go blow it up. All right. Their presence is attested by two copper plates upon which the Raja engraved a historic record on the operation and the treasure. That's a big sucker of a gold. That is a cornerstone. <laughs> For sure. Oh, man. The New Covenant community, here's our next uh, thought here. The New Covenant community of Jesus has these qualities. I just can't get over how much gold that is. That's, that, was what I, that was my takeaway from that part of the message. <laughs> oh, man. The New Covenant community of Jesus has these qualities. That's almost as much money as LeBron James has. Okay. I'll stop. Okay. The New Covenant community of Jesus has these qualities. Uh, first off, it is rooted in Israel. The new covenant community of Jesus is rooted in Israel. 
it's always important to remember where we come from. Do you guys know that? It's important to remember where we come from. Uh, I like to read the Old Testament to learn from uh, the past of God's people. We know how the story unfolds, and uh, in, uh, we know how it all uh, begins, not the ending, but, well, we know the ending, I guess, but we know the, the beginning, the middle, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but in Bible school, one of the things I remember the most is, that, is this statement. Uh, we learn how to deal with the future when we understand the past. We learn how to deal with the future when we understand the past. In fact, this is one of the greatest obstacles that many people in our world are facing today because, and I'll just say this because I'm getting older now, the younger generation, uh, they don't, <laughs> yes, I knew that would get some of you. Uh, <laughs> those silly people. Okay, but the younger folks today, they don't look to the past to learn. And we're facing challenges today. We've faced some of these challenges before. Maybe not every single one of them, but many of them. And we can learn from what history tells us. We learn how to deal with the future when we understand the past. So our first thought there was it's rooted in Israel. Second one here is it's built by Jesus. All right, that's the New Covenant Church. It's built by Jesus. Ephesians 2.20, we just read it, says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Being the cornerstone. That verse was actually the vision statement for my old youth ministry. It was called the block because that was the cool way of saying it. But Christ Jesus would be the cornerstone. It's the cornerstone on every single thing that's built. There's no doubt uh, who the church is built upon. It was and always will be the Lord Jesus. That's who built it. I, I laugh at believers, uh, fellow Christians, pastors, elders, when we begin to take credit for what the Lord has done through us. It was never you. It was never me. It's the King of Kings who's done it all. I think of our church here, Queensway Church. I think of the old building that's just up the road from here. The events that brought that congregation from there to here. Think about it. Some of you may have been here for that. The Lord Jesus did that. The Lord Jesus did that. It was him who provided the land we're sitting and standing on today. It was no one else. It was him who provided it. Him who provided the finances through his people to build what is being built today. That's Jesus. That's nobody else. It's Jesus. I know I've heard the sto- some of the stories. No way I've heard all, but I've heard some of the stories about how that church came here. That is Jesus in the flesh working to do something in this community. Whatever is built or accomplished in the future is only done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way anything gets accomplished. Uh, I don't know if I've shared this story with you before, but I recall when I first became a youth pastor at Evangel Temple in Toronto, uh, I would hear these old stories in history of the church. Evangel Temple was uh, this, the, the, what would you call it, the, the birthplace of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada uh, in the early 1900s. And so there was lots of history. But I remember one story where the church was trying to finish the second phase of the existing building they have today. Uh, a woman in the congregation had been making, uh, listen to this, she'd been making homemade shampoos <laughs> uh, for, for a long time. And uh, so she was wondering what she could do for God. So she tried to sell her shampoo recipe to a large 
uh, I don't want, I don't know if it's like a shampoo company, but whoever makes that stuff, all right, she she sold it to them. So the long story short is this large company bought the recipe for shampoo, and she was paid like thousands of dollars. I don't even know how much it would have been worth, uh, but thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, and but she knew the idea that she had for the recipe and to sell it uh, wasn't from her. And the finances were from the Lord. The idea wasn't for her, from her. Uh, the finances weren't for her. The idea and finances were for the Lord to build his church. So she gave money to the church to help finish the second phase of the church building project. To this day, there is a wall that stands in that building that was purchased with the favor she was given by the Lord Jesus. To this day, I probably drilled holes in it by accident. <laughs> It's there, all right, in the flesh. It is by, uh, it's not by mistake or circumstance the Lord Jesus builds his church, this house. It's not by mistake or circumstance. Come on. That's ridiculous. I love when scripture just drops something on us and uh, just, it's so bold. But the Lord Jesus said this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Once again, we're not to live in fear what the Lord Jesus has declared. Not even the gates of hell can prevail against it. There's nothing the enemy can do to prevail against it. What he's established, it is there. I've seen churches go through, uh, even evangel, I've seen them go through so many crazy, stupid, foolish things where I just want to go in and start punching people. What are you thinking? Boom. This is just hockey school all over again. What are you doing? Come on. But the truth is, in hockey, you can punch anyone. In real life, you can't. Okay. (laughs) The truth is, is that we're not to live in fear. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What God has established, no one can destroy. Not ever. Not ever. You see, the basis of the church is that Jesus is confessed as Lord. That's the basis of the church, that Jesus is confessed as Lord. It is through the church that Christ intends to make his word and will known. When she speaks in Christ's name, the church binds and looses and opens the gates of heaven to those who believe and closes them to those who do not. The basis of the church is that Jesus is confessed as Lord. That's the basis. So here's our final thought for this section. The church is inaugurated by the Holy Spirit. This uh, passage will be very, very familiar, but I just felt like I had to read the whole thing. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these uh, who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8, And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, oh, I messed that one up, Phrygia, I don't know, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Listen to this. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with a new wine, which of course was a prophecy by Joel. Isn't that amazing? Uh, if you want to hear uh, more of the coming of the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to listen to a message I shared a few months back on Pentecost. It's called Mighty Wind. It's on Facebook and Vimeo. You can check it out after. But today I wanted to remind us of two things. The Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. And still to each believer today, for power and witness. That's what the Holy Spirit was given to us for. Then and still to this day, power to show the works of God and witness so that in each language, God would speak to us personally. He would speak to us personally. Uh, my friend's uh, stepmom was in a prayer meeting five or six years ago. She was sitting near the back of the church uh, during the prayer time, and there was a woman in front of her, and uh, the, the, the prayer meeting was well in progress. Um, it was nearing the end. And the woman in front of her was praying uh, loudly, and she could hear uh, words coming out of her mouth. And, but she was speaking. Uh, it was a time when people were speaking in tongues. She was just speaking. So my friend's stepmom was listening to what was going on around her. And all she could hear was her native, uh, she's from Colombia, so she could hear her native Spanish tongue being spoken in the room. So she went to this woman, uh, just a few seats in front of her, and said, uh, do you speak Spanish? And, and in that church, there's so many languages, it's a good question to ask. But the woman said, uh, no, I don't speak Spanish. She said, do you know that during the prayer time, you were speaking in tongues, and you were speaking Spanish, and I could hear every word you were saying. That is power and witness. That's God's plan, all right? Uh, it's just so awesome. I love stories like that. Church, when God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem, he was bringing into being the church as we see functioning today. You see, our responsibility is to build our church on Jesus as cornerstone. We'll always do that. The gates of hell will never prevail against it. And the Father has given us Holy Spirit to bring power and witness to our community. That's what his plan is. I was thinking about this. You see, God is not dead. He's not sleeping. He's not busy doing something else. He wants to use every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, to build his church. That's what he wants to do. It's for every single one of us. We have this weird idea in North American church where uh, church building is for certain people. Church work is for certain people. It's for people that are called to do this or called to do that. Stop it. That's the furthest thing from the truth. The Bible says that it's the priesthood of all believers that all would work in the kingdom, that all would serve God in the kingdom. We're building his church together. You see, we need to get past the idea that someone has to uh, attend our church regularly for God to use them. Stop it. We can, it's not about how many, what your attendance is like in church, all right? He will use you in any situation, in any circumstance to bring glory to his name. 
We, the, our responsibility is that we are ready. I am ready to serve him. I am ready to speak for him when my opportunity comes up. He said, I believe with all my heart that he wants to use us in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families to bring glory to his name. The number one thing I hear in this town, and I've heard it in other places, but it's just how toxic work environments can be. Let me tell you something. I know exactly how toxic work environments can be. But the truth is, is that we need to rise above it. We need to be above and not beneath. Well, pastor, that's hard. Of course it's hard. Try doing it when you're around other Christians. That's what I had to do, all right? The truth is, is that we are above those things. We're not beneath the smut of the earth. We're above, not below. We're the head and not the tail. I believe it with all my heart that in our workplaces, in our families, I think of my own family, God, would you send your fire into my family and save them, the ones that are lost, the ones that have forsaken you. Whatever it is, church, we are a body of Christ. We are a community of believers. We are family. When one struggles, we all struggle. We're to go together. We're to be together. And no matter what circumstance we're in, we're to face it together. You see, uh, you have a prophetic mantle that's been placed on you, a destiny that God has called you to, just like those first uh, believers that spoke in tongues, that were to be known to be filled with a new wine. I've never been upset when someone says, hey, pastor, that idiot from your church is drunk. They keep on saying stupid things about God. No, they're just filled with a new wine, sucker. Come on. It doesn't matter. You have a prophetic mantle that's being placed on you. God has put it on you. He's not put it on me. He's put it on you. He's put a mantle on me to, to do what he's called me to do. But you have a responsibility for what he's called you to do. I love how we have prayer warriors in this church that haven't stopped praying for years. It's been going on for years and years. But even in the last few months, our prayers and frequency of our prayers have increased, and we are seeing God change circumstances. Just this week, we saw God answer another prayer request by selling a house in town. God changes circumstances. Every single thing that you or I would ever face, he's got a solution for. And yes, sometimes we need to humble ourselves. I Again, man, I must have been doing a lot of reading this week. I got all these stories. I was reading this week uh, a story. I, I just love reading stories about Billy Graham. All this stuff has been coming out since he passed a few months ago. And one of his close friends read a story of how this uh, young evangelist came into his hotel room in Germany when Billy Graham was there, I think, in the 70s. And this young man said to Billy Graham, I'd love to be an evangelist. How can I do this? People would ask Billy Graham all the time. Billy Graham spoke with him for a few moments. But Billy Graham, without uh, having known this young man for more than a few minutes, said, I want to pray for you. He prayed for him, lied down face first on the ground, and called out to God on this evangelist's behalf because he knew that even him, Billy Graham, could not stand in the presence of God, but he needed to humble himself so that this he could pray for this young man that he never knew and likely never saw again. We need more. Of course, we need more people like that. But you is our responsibility. God, we would humble ourselves for you to do your will. It's not my objective. It's your objective, Lord Jesus. That's who we're trying to fulfill. That's who we're trying to uh, reach, Lord Jesus. Would you fill us with your glory? You see, when God fills us, we become low, and he becomes great in our lives right? He is no respecter of man. He wants to use you. 
<laughs> he don't care what your circumstances is. He puts you in it. Of course you can get through it. You're there because he puts you there. He is no respect. He doesn't care who Jason Snyder is because he has a will and plan for my life. He cares for me, but he's equipped me to face every challenge that can come before me. That I am more than a conqueror because I'm in Christ Jesus. The same is for, true for you. So what is the church? I have a few quotes I wanted to read to you. The redeemed communion of saints brought by the blood of Christ, including all believers throughout all the ages. Let me read it again. What is the church? The redeemed communion of saints brought by the blood of Christ, including all believers throughout all the ages. The church is the adopted family of God. That's who the church is. We're adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. The church is the gathered covenant community, visibly and regularly coming together for worship. We're not to hide. That's why I loved our time in the tent. Even if we do it once a year, who cares? Our time in the tent this summer, we are not hiding. We are visibly and regularly coming together for worship, discipleship. Man, we should do a tent meeting in February. Then people will really know we're mean business. All right. Oh, great idea. We're going to, oh, no? Come on, we can do it. All right. <laughs> Oh, that would be crazy. Oh, is that from God? I don't know. Okay, let's find out. The, ch <laughs> the church, is no one's going to show up. You'd be all in your cars laughing at me, and I'd be, Ugh. okay. The church is gathered, uh, is the gathered covenant community visibly and regularly coming together for worship, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and mission. Regularly, I love that, regularly coming together for worship, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and mission. So good. The church, here's another quote for you. The church is the eschat. oh man, I almost had it. <laughs> the church is the eschatological, I can't read it today. I could read it yesterday. Community of the kingdom, is that on the screen now? Okay, good. You know what word I'm trying to say. Community of the kingdom existing in the already and not yet, living out God's eternal purpose, I love this, of cosmic reconciliation. He has an eternal purpose, and you and I get to be a part of it. We're a part of it. So I want to conclude and give, uh, give us a takeaway today. Worship team, if you could come forward uh, and just lead us in a song in a moment. You see, church, uh, we're never for a select group. A church is never for a select group of 50 or 100 or 500, 1,000 or even 10,000 or more, and on and on the numbers would go. But you see, when I picture the church as written in the New Testament, I see people hosting meals at their homes, worshiping the Lord together, reading the scriptures, reading the letters like in the book of Ephesians together from the apostles, written to them. These were safe places where anyone could ask any question about anything. If someone was in need, the need was filled, whether physical like food or clothing or something like shelter for a period of time. So let's be people that reflect well the poem I read at the beginning. Think about that. Let's not put things in place just in case the Lord Jesus was to come in the flesh, so to speak. Let's always do things the right way. Let me read you a few lines from the poem. Just to refresh your memory. I've said a lot between now and then. 
If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honored guest, and all the food you'd serve him to him would be the very best. I have some food that needs to be thrown out in my fridge. I would not serve that to him. <laughs> you would keep assuming him, assuring him you're glad to have him there. When you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door with arms outstretched and welcome to our heavenly visitor? God, will we learn, let's pray, church. God, will we learn that when we are with the least of these, we are ultimately serving you. God, we would put out our finest for the Lord Jesus. Every single person in this room, that china that's never been used because it's being reserved for the queen, it would come out for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But God, just the same, when we serve the least of these, when we serve those that are far from God, will we treat them with the same love and admiration as we would you? Just to love on people. That they would ask questions of, why are we being treated like this? And it would, the answer would simply be, because we love you. And God loves you more than you could ever imagine.